podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So I had a bit of a scare yesterday. For some reason, I can only remember 25 letters of the alphabet. I don't know why. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like that. That is the best reaction we've had from Medes, <laughs> yeah, Medes, since, the, Medes, since Whitney, I think. Medes is usually stone-faced for those. No, I like that. That's good. That's usually, that's, I mean, that's high praise indeed for a joke. Uh, it, usually yeah, means, so. it, it usually means Medes hasn't heard it more than he likes it. I think. <laughs> is that true? Sometimes usually, that. usually at the beginning, he's like, oh, no, I've heard this joke. Sometimes that. If, if, it, if it sort of is a quick punchline as well, so I don't have time to think and try and work it out, that always is good. Yeah, I like the pattern that is emerging, Nate, that they're they're quite quick, punchy, yeah, to the point jokes. I like I it. Not that I don't like you like, you know, the long thought out story like <laughs> jokes, but <laughs> No, I, I agree with you. I think there's a lot more to that, isn't there? You know. Suits me a bit better because the longer the joke is, the more I forget or the, the less well Well you laugh midway through. Yeah, the less well I deliver it. So um no, I agree with you. Well the good news, Nate, is that it's a nine. Ah, oh, superb. Thanks, man. You are continuing on a very, very high level of joke. Yeah, we need to get like a graph, don't we, of these to see like the, the peaks and the troughs of this joke telling. And I'm also wondering whether I need to add like a point into it. So You might need point. to now because we're getting a few nines, aren't we? I know. That's, I know. Is that the, that's the second nine ever or the third nine ever. Third nine, I think yeah. we've had three because we had the Whitney joke. There was another one. I think we've had quite a few nines now. But think about it. Think of the spin-off opportunities here. Like in future, when we're massively famous and everyone loves this, we can do the like Christmas uh, stocking filler book <laughs> of Nate's jokes, yes, and it'll be yes. the nines, and then the list of those, That's and then true, like, yeah. the eights. So I like that. Each chapter will be the number that they are. Um, Medes is head of our marketing division. Yeah. So <laughs> already, I'm going to take the biggest cut, obviously. Yeah, fifteen pounds <laughs> <laughs> sterling. <laughs> Welcome to The Paddock, a podcast featuring stories following Formula One around the world. I'm Lawrence Bretto, senior writer at F1.com. And I'm Chris Medland, F1 correspondent at Racer. And I'm Nate Saunders from ESPN.com. Chaps, lovely to see you. Um, and, and you, mate. <laughs> it's true, yeah. That, you laugh more at that than yeah. the, the, the 9 out of 10 joke. It gives you a compliment and you've gone. I know. I wasn't sure he was being serious or not. That's because my voice went high. Yeah, it went really <laughs> yeah. high. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know my voice. I didn't know I had that in me. In my it repertoire. made me jump. Yeah, sorry, it, sorry, me. sorry, listeners. Sorry, Lawrence. I won't do uh, that again. No, thanks. Don't. Thank no more compliments. No, but as a, as a point, I'm I'm really impressed, Nate, at your level of jokes recently, That's and cool. I think that might be why we're we're gaining more fans. And there was one particular fan who I think has become a fan of yours specifically Nate um, because they loved your 60 second review I know I saw the tweet I think you sent the tweet didn't you in our group chat yeah um, so I, I felt a bit of pressure to deliver this week but I'm actually quite proud of the review uh, even though it was for the Spanish Grand Prix which you know wasn't the best it wasn't bad but it wasn't the best it's like a nil-nil draw wasn't it with a with someone hitting the post at the end like a bit late drama well to explain uh, Formula Chad it was on Twitter uh, who, if That's you can hear some name. background noise, by the way, there's a, there's a dog on this episode because I've had to allow a puppy into the room while we record, and he's currently massacring a camera bag. 
but it's not mine, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Formula Chad uh, said, uh, actually waiting and hoping Nate Saunders does another 60-second driver review for this week's podcast. Last week's was hashtag solid. Kimmy did a whoopsie. Um, and, I mean, it's true. Kimmy did do a whoopsie in the yep. Portugal one. Uh, it was solid. And uh, I, well, I was also waiting and hoping for it. We did delay the episode by a little bit because, well, we just didn't have time to record. So we're doing a delayed 60 second review and I'm going to find it right now because yeah. I haven't heard this. Uh, Beretta, have you heard this? I've not heard this yet. Right then. So crank up your speakers to 11. Let's hear Nate Saunders 60 second review of Barcelona. Hamilton. Yes. Verstappen, tyres, Bottas, do what you're told, Valtteri. Leclerc, Fantastic, isn't he? Let's be honest. Perez, getting better. Ricardo, that's more like it. Science, solid. I'm only saying that once this weekend, Medlin, so before you get me on that one. Norris, weaving. Ocon, fantastique. Gasly, just we Gasly. I, I love Gasly, okay? That's just, that's going to be my review all season. Uh, the following is a quick disclaimer. It's hard to overtake at the Circuit of Catalonia, so Stroll, Raikkonen, Vettel, Russell, Giovinazzi. Haven't really got much to say. Latifi was there. Uh, Alonso washed up question mark fishing rod emoji yeah think about that one uh, Mick Schumacher I think everyone loves Mick uh, Mazepin <laughs> uh, Mazepin is so slow it's unbelievable uh, Sonoda angry Yuki and followed by electrical Yuki not because he's made from electric but because his car had an electrical fault but yeah electrical Yuki sounds like a band <laughs> wow oh that's amazing um so i think it finished 60 seconds was exactly as i said finishing electrical yuki sounds like a band um so absolutely sounds like a band agreed um a, a clear highlight there is uh alonzo washed up fishing rod emoji <laughs> <laughs> and the way that you're so poignant of think about that uh yeah that's that's a real highlight. well i do want I, I do want people to think about it doesn't mean i agree with it you know the fishing rod emoji is the great kind of disclaimer of i might not be sharing my own opinion on this but you might be trolling so um no, i'm glad you guys liked it it's, it's fun for me watching your reactions actually we need to record that and put that on the, <laughs> the, the, our social media channels. I think it's quite funny. Well, lucky for you, we have just recorded that because we're recording this call. So uh, maybe we will show it to the world because there was a lot of silent laughter while listening to that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Berettini fell backwards off his chair at one stage. Which was I loved it. Amazing. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> you liked the, I mean, Jesui Gasly. I, I won't say that all season, but I do. I do just want to clarify that I think Gasly's fantastic. I mean, you I do said, just love Gasly. Love yeah, Gasly. I said fantastic yeah. twice, but in two different languages, technically, because <laughs> I said fantastique for the second one, because, you know, a bit of international flavour. Multilingual, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Outrage. No, good. Well, uh, I look forward to continuing those all season. <laughs> so do we. So does Formula Chad. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was for you, Chad. <laughs> My boy. My boy, Chad. That, that was strong. I, I did like and uh, appreciated the... Uh, explainer that it's impossible to take him over to, to take where's my words it's impossible to overtake in barcelona because that is mm. true and that did screw a lot of people so um yeah. yeah well played very well played yeah it's one of those it's one of those isn't it where like you know going into that race that it's not going to be the most entertaining but we still got a good fight at the front which i feel like saved the like saved it as a spectacle um but you're not going to get that every spanish grand prix so you also can't because you think about the last time we had that was like 2016 when max won and he did that again because Kimmy couldn't pass him technically. So it was like, 
entertaining but also like if it was a wider track or better track like would it have happened i don't know i don't think uh, it was that kimmy couldn't pass him technically i think it's because kimmy couldn't pass him actually um yeah sorry he just, yeah, he no, just you're failed right. to pass him no you're right yeah um, well i mean literally didn't pass yeah. couldn't pass him so uh yeah. no you're right but uh at, at least we're going to somewhere else next where there's a lot more overtaking um <laughs> oh but yeah well, this is an interesting thing isn't it about monaco as a as a circuit because obviously it's got all the history it's got the the prestige but as a as a race venue i don't think many grand prix themselves are that entertaining but the fact that you're constantly watching these cars go around so close to the wall and having this incredible you know this incredible visual spectacle i think kind of it almost it saves the fact that the race isn't that dull but if you were actually just to take the race and compare it to like a spanish grand prix i don't think it'd be any better from a you know from an entertaining standpoint you know if you think about what's won and lost races two of them have been bad pit stops or, you know, mistakes made, you know, with um, or, or one was, you know, Rosberg put himself on pole through nefarious means, stuff like that. Like there's never been an overtake to win a race at Monaco that I can remember. Um, there's probably has been one, but I can't remember one off the top of my head. Which so it might have been before them. your time to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. And now with these cars as wide as they are, like it's made it even worse. So, but it's interesting, isn't it? Like Monaco has kind of PR'd itself into, just being a great spectacle, despite the fact that the race doesn't really deliver. Um, how much of that do you think is down to on Saturday? I think Saturday at Monaco is one of the highlights of the season, just seeing how close they all push it to that wall. And sometimes, you know, and sometimes they get it just wrong. I mean, Max did a few years ago when he put it in the wall in the final sector, just out coming out of the swimming pool section. And like, if you actually watch the replay, he just tagged the wall, but it ruined his weekend. And I remember that weekend, everyone was saying, Max is going to win, Max is going to win. And then obviously Ricardo went on one. And that's funny looking back on now, like how much the narrative around Max has changed since then. Cause then it was like, he's rash and he, you know, he can't win his, his head's not in the right place. And now he's in a championship fight with Lewis, but yeah, I think Saturdays at Monaco are mega the race. Not so much. Yeah, no, I'd agree. Uh, I think it's, it's one of those words. It's just a spectacle, isn't it? When you look at it, even on TV and it just looks so like strange to watch these formula one cars at those speeds, like built in through these streets and it's so tight. And it just, I think it, it's one of those, I was watching the um, the IndyCar race on Sunday where they were using like the road circuit that F1 had kind of used before um, at Indianapolis. So they've got 500 practice, I think, starts this week. But they said it was from the greatest racetrack in the world or the most famous racetrack in the world. And, you know, they can make a claim to it. But it is basically Indy, Le Mans and Monaco are ones that you look at. To be honest, I even think for most motorsport fans or, or, or loose sports fans, they would see, say, action from Le Mans and it would take them a little bit to go. Is that Le Mans? Uh, if it was, if it, if they were seeing certain shots uh, with, with Indy, I think if you just see a, a race car on oval, that's probably your first thought. Uh, but with Monaco, there's no doubting. Anytime you see any shot from there, that that's Monaco. And I think that's one of the pulls of it. It's just so iconic that kind of means you 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 forgive the rest. And and because you know that Jeopardy is just like one mistake away, like you said, that Max had in qualifying and maybe it's more likely to happen then, but in a race, a driver can still make that sort of mistake um, or a, a badly timed safety car could mean that they get jumped or whatever, and it can completely mix it up. So it's just, I think it's one of those races, you know, that reliability used to be great that you, you were watching and, and in the f- final five laps, even you're like, but what if his car goes bang? Like you just didn't quite know. So it would keep you watching, even if there was a minute between cars. I think Monaco just has that about it in case someone just has that tiny lapse of concentration that means they tag a wall or something. So, uh, yeah, it's, it is cool. I think that's what um, I like about Monaco. Is it's almost not about whether it's a good race or not. It's just about how much the drivers 
enjoy driving it and you can see the excitement when we went to the McLaren media event last week you could just see how excited Daniel Ricciardo was to go back he mentioned it several times during the press conference of just how he doesn't care about really anything other than he's going back to Monaco because he didn't get to go there last year and he felt you know disappointed not to do that and I think that to have a track where every racing driver wants to drive it because they want to test themselves against you know themselves but also the, the very best as well I think is it's important so I don't really get it when people say oh I don't watch the Monaco Grand Prix because they just start they finish in the same way as they start that's not really the point of the Monaco Grand Prix it's about um the driver challenge and it's quite interesting that it comes after Barcelona when you probably get a similar sort of race in terms of not much overtaking but you accept it because it's Monaco because of the driver challenge I think that's my opinion yeah I, I think it all builds as well doesn't it like by Sunday morning you're like okay now like it'll look great as they head off into turn one and maybe you'll get some carnage, but you're kind of accepting you might not get a classic, but it's all the stuff that's gone before it. It is the qualifying, it is even practice, there's probably going to be incidents and shunts and um yeah, just normally the events that go around it, which there'll be some this year, I think. There's what, 40% capacity, I think they're getting in there. So there'll still be mm-hmm. some atmosphere and some stuff going on. Um, so yeah, that's gonna be quite cool as well. And and that all adds to it so it is about the whole the whole thing and not just the the couple of hours on a sunday but um yeah one other thing ricardo said i'm glad you mentioned this mclaren event because that was fun to go to an actual human real life in-person event um and i'm gutted that the one week the one week they put that on i had a physio appointment that i couldn't if i'd shifted it back it would have been too far back and i was like i can't it's on my shoulder. Nothing, nothing serious, guys. Don't worry, I'm not dying. But I was just like, if I if I keep if I push this back even further, I'm going to be in agony for weeks. So um, that was annoying. But sorry, yeah, go on. It looked awesome, and um, I'm really jealous of you guys for going. Yeah, we got and seeing human beings in the flesh. That was the thing. It, like, even just stood outside in the cold. It was freezing by the end. But they there was some sort of food and drink given to us outside in this like little teepee type thing. That's not the right word, is it? It's a gazebo. Gazebo. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was kind of a way to get everyone able to stand around and chat and not have to wear masks and that because it was outside it was it's almost like being in a pub beer garden um and that was after the event part that was all socially distant and um masks and everything but we'd had to be tested to go um to make sure it was all safe but then once you were there yeah, it felt almost almost normal um and it was so cool and yeah ricardo did say uh, in his first answer i think about having about how cool the livery looked he said how cool it was to actually see people and like realize that we still exist um so that, that was kind of nice it was uh, even some of the McLaren team members were saying they think the drivers miss it a bit, having the media, like print and online media, like the, the groups that they used to chat to, like there to chat to. Because at the moment, all they do is sit in the same spot doing a Zoom call. Uh, it doesn't matter which race they're at or who they're talking to and where that person is. They're just staring at the same screen uh, and sat in the same seat all the time. And that lack of variety and interaction is kind of wearing thin, I think. So that was quite cool. I don't know about you guys, but I remember from <clears throat> one thing that's always nice about media sessions, you, you obviously, you know, you build that rapport with a driver, but you, a lot of the time, which is quite nice, and Ricardo's good for it and Norris is good for it. You get that like post session chat. It might be like 20 seconds, but it might be like, you know, when everyone's finished and they're grabbing their dictaphones, you almost get like, someone will say something or one of the drivers will make a joke and you kind of just get that, you know, sometimes I hate the word banter, but it's, I can't think of a better way of describing it, but you might just, you know, it might be a joke exchange or you might ask someone like, I remember once asking Ricardo if he was watching the UFC that evening and he, you know, and he was talking about UFC for like five minutes. And you know, when he talks about UFC, he's like, I love this. And it was just cool. Like, and, but you can't do that on zoom because you're like, I've only got 10 minutes for this interview. (laughs) 
So like once the time's done, I've, my interview's finished. So I think that 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 part of it is nice. Um, just having those human chats, but um, yeah, that was something Checo was very good at. The amount of times he'd do like a media session, and it would finish, and he was very like switched on with like media mode, and then he'd be like, "Okay, great. So what do you guys really think about this or that?" Yeah, Christian Horner does the same. Like, what, and Horner's it's quite great fun. for saying he's like, "So what? So um, so what are you guys really saying? Like, what what's everyone saying out there about?" Well, I remember once he would ask, like, you know, if someone collides on track, he's like, so what do you guys think? Who was at fault? And he's looking at you like his eyes bearing into you. And you're like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> it's quite an interesting way of going about things. He was funny about uh, Imola with how Lewis got back to second after his media session there, even though that was still on Zoom, but kind of being like, well, yeah, he's only wanted to focus on his own team's race. It's not really in his power what happens with anyone else. But he's like, Lewis had a pretty big error there. And the way things played out, he still was able to get back to second. Um, I think they were kind of ruining that. That could have been a big points like gain for them that, that didn't happen. So, um, and that's the sort of thing. There sometimes where people don't want to come across as bitter, or they, you know, they're trying to be fair in in like the way they're publicly speaking. But then there's that little bit of like, oh, but yeah, to be honest, we're a little bit gutted about this or that. You sometimes mm-hmm. get that afterwards as well. You're right, and that happens way more in person. So. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. When they, like you said with Checo, like they almost their shoulders drop when when like the media bit's done the shoulders drop and they're like, okay, cool. Like now we can just talk like human beings. And it is a shame sometimes that there's that kind of guard up because you see like when the media session is done, the kind of unwritten rule for people listening is like that. If someone says something to you off the cuff at the end, that's not really, that's not printable at all. That's off record, you know, Mm -hmm. and you don't need the PR person to come tell you like, by the way, when, you know, when that person made that joke about that driver, that was, you know, dictaphones were off and you're like, yeah, that's fine. But it's almost like you're like, Mm -hmm. I, I wish I could show that part of that person in a way that people could see it and not in a way to kind of get them into trouble, but just to show like, well, actually, you know, this is kind of what they think when, when they're not in kind of media spin mode. Um, and yeah, like you said, in zoom, you can't, you can't see past that. That is all you get. So I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to talk a bit about Monaco some more, but I think just as a side note that that's something that in IndyCar, they, they seem a little bit better at um, where you do get drivers kind of, talking about each other and joking with each other or praising each other or, or having to go at each other. Um, I saw there was like a Graham Rahal, Jack Harvey kind of misunderstanding the last couple of weeks where they were having a back and forth. But then um, when Grosjean did so well and, and got the pole on Saturday, like the outpouring of like support and nice comments from all the other drivers was very, very cool. And these are drivers that don't actually know him that well yet. It was only his third race, but they were all could see what a cool story it was. But yeah, that was mega to watch. I don't know about you guys, but I thought that was awesome to see Roman do it so well. Yeah, amazing. Feel good story of the the year so far, I think. Doesn't it just show that if you struggle in Formula One, it doesn't mean that you're a terrible driver? I think for me that like I don't know IndyCar that well, but I think for someone to go in and in their third event, get a pole and finish second is incredible. And I think that's just made me think about how we can be quite critical of people who are at the back of a Formula One field. And of course, they're not at the front end. So they are down. They are not performing to the best. Of, um, of the abilities in, in the world at the time but I think that they are still off a certain level and I think we often we often forget that yeah yeah definitely. Magnuson said that a lot didn't he when especially last year I think when he knew he was coming up on his exit he would constantly say like well you know it's it's great being an F1 driver but I know that my best every weekend at the moment is can I get out of Q1 and then can I finish 16th and he's like that's not what I wanted to be an F1 driver for and you know they're not they're not like woe is me because you know it's obviously a very cool gig to have but these are still competitive guys and they want to win 
And um, yeah, and it, it, Grosjean's not the first either. I mean, Rossi's now one of the best guys there. Mm-hmm. Chilton was actually quite decent occasionally when you know when he raced. And I know Chilton had that reputation for always being at the back, but you know, to go and race on some of those circuits, um, you know, it takes balls to do that. So I think you're right, Laz. We we do have the tendency to be very harsh on people uh, sometimes. And then and it seems like Roman was like an example of it, where he obviously made quite a few mistakes in the house. I mean, we can't kind of only focus on what was good about him in F1 but he, he did make a bunch of mistakes too but then it's because it was such a hard car to drive and that when you are frustrated by it and you're trying to push it a bit beyond its limits because you know you don't have the machinery that can let you do something so you feel like you need to excel even more to be able to put it somewhere that it shouldn't really be then that leads to those mistakes whereas I think you had something like IndyCar where it's much more spec and you can have that almost comfort that it's on your talent and on your ability to get the most out of the car, not on you to go beyond what the car can do because everyone else has the same stuff. So uh, I think that also helps a little bit. And yeah, there's, it even goes down as far as like someone like Bottas where recently I've seen him getting as always some more stick, but like the standard you have to be at to do even what he does, it's just, we're talking such small margins between the very best and very good, but like you say, Lawrence, they're, they're all on such a high level. And maybe because we just compare them to each other in the little bubble of 20 drivers, it's so easy to then kind of say that the best is incredible and that the worst is horrific when realistically they're in such a small window of like performance that, that it's a bit unfair to do it that way. Bottas is also, you know, and I've, I've criticised Bottas, like, you know, when we used to do the ESPN F1 pod and stuff, but you have to step back and be like, he's a bit like, <clears throat> to use a British sports star as an example, he's a bit like Andy Murray in the sense that he is literally r- racing at a time when he has the best driver probably, certainly in the modern era, and possibly of all time, is his teammate in the best car ever made. And Lewis is so good every weekend. For all we know, Bottas, like maybe Bottas is doing the second best job anyone on the grid could do with that car. But Lewis is yeah. just doing the first best job. You know, it's like we don't know that because we don't. And obviously Rosberg was, you know, a different benchmark, but the cars evolved since then. And Bottas came in as a fresh driver. So, um, yeah, it is. It, it's fascinating because and I suppose the Russell example last year didn't really help Bottas in that sense. But, you know, it does. It, it does show you. I think Russell said as well, didn't he? Stepping from the Williams to the Mercedes was like driving a completely different class of car yeah. just because he's like you said, Medes, he wasn't like the car did what he wanted. He wasn't like telling like making it do stuff the car responded to everything he did like he mm. wanted it to so yeah. um it'd be fascinating to see them all race once or twice a year in similar cars like you know nothing riding on it just for fun i know none of them would do it but well actually the, the guys at the back might lewis would be like i've got nothing to gain <laughs> yeah. here, which is yeah. fair as well he has nothing to gain from doing that um but it would be interesting i was um watching that indycar race on sunday night thinking how cool would it be to get the whole f1 grid in Indy cars to go and do a race over there, like as a, as a complete one-off exhibition where, you know, IndyCar and F1 collab for it. And it wasn't part of the championship really, but it was a right. I don't know if there'd have to be some sort of reward for them in some way, shape or form, but yeah, that they go to like road America or somewhere, go to a track that's not an F1 track. So they don't know it that well. And they all just have to deal with an IndyCar and see how they get on. I think it'd be awesome. It would be cool. Who do you think would, let's take Lewis out of the mix. But out of the the guys behind him, who do you think would be the most impressive guy in a spec series who might surprise people? Doesn't necessarily have to be the guy who wins, but the guy who people thought, oh, I didn't think he'd be as good as that in a car where everything's equalized. Oh, that's a that's very good question, good actually. Because you don't even need to take Lewis out of it. I think you're right to say, okay, it'd be so easy to say Lewis would do well, Max would do well, and clearly they would. Um, I do think Valtteri would do well in the sense that he mm. does his rallying and stuff. And I think 
yeah. kind of dealing with a bit more of, the, of a, a loose car and, and less of the like feel through power steering, but with like something that's a bit more rough and ready, maybe he would um, be a little bit more comfortable pushing something like that. Carlos, maybe? I was Sainz. about to say, Sainz was going to be mine. I think I've been really impressed with him so far this year, making that step. And he's, you know, he's moved around teams so much. It's easy to forget that when you move teams, it takes a while to adapt to that and get up to your best. And he keeps doing it. And I know he's, at the moment, Leclerc's the guy getting the better results. But like, he's been there and he is as good as he is. And if all the drivers have moved this for this year or come back, he's done the best, hasn't he? He's adapted the quickest, I think. So he's adapted quicker than Fernando than Sebastian. Yeah, which is yeah. no mean feat, given, Daniel. given the pet of those guys that have moved. They're all mm-hmm. race winners, pretty much. I mean, they are, aren't they? Am I honest? I'm missing one. No, you're right. Perez as well. So they've all won at least a race. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I think um, Fernando would be an obvious one because he's been in an IndyCar. But um, obviously he's, he's done ovals. So to put him in a road course, it might be actually less of an advantage. So I think that'd be quite interesting to see how he really got on in that. Um, I actually think some of the younger guys would benefit because they weren't so long out of F2. So they've dealt with cards that are kind of similar in terms of a bit of the feel and the lack of power steering, which seems to be a big thing. Um, I reckon that would actually kind of help them just because it wouldn't take them that long to go, oh yeah, I remember that this from a few years ago. So someone like George maybe and Lando um, would, would do pretty well in it, but it would be great to watch because there'll be, there'll would be, be some that for some reason you wouldn't expect that would really struggle just because it's so different. And I think that's where maybe some of the older guys, like someone like a Seb, who could be brilliant, but also could also really struggle because he's just not comfortable with it and hasn't driven a car with no power steering for so long. And, you know, you could see where his sweet spot was with Red Bull, couldn't you? And, and the mm-hmm. way that that car was. And obviously an Indy car is not going to be like that Red Bull was from 2010 to 2013. So it's whether it, that, that feels like that's one that could go one of two ways. And that's what I think would be fascinating to see. And also a spec car doesn't suit every driver because every driver has a different driving style. So it's very easy for people to say, put them on the same car, see who would win. But it's like, yeah, but that car might, you know, it, that it might suit a long yeah. driving style or it might massively hamper Vettel, like you say. So there's all these things in it. And that's why those top guys, uh, some of them might be like, I just want to go have fun. But some of them also would have in the back of their mind, like if I have a bad weekend here, everyone is just going to be like, well, this guy's only ever been about having a good car. Um, and it might just be that the car, you know, the car's not set up right. It might not just be a circuit they like very much, which happens. Um, yeah, it would be great. But chances of it happening, it would, yeah. I mean, I, I I think as an event, it would be super fun. I think Stroll did quite well, actually. I've just thought. I remember him doing Daytona uh, and really impressing people there, like just mm-hmm. going into that environment. So I think actually he'd probably start in quite well as well. I think we're, we're past the era with Stroll where people don't give him any credit for his talent. I think that people that do that now are kind of living a few years behind. And I think a lot of the, it took the media a bit of time to catch up, but he's very quick. And, you know, I think he probably should have won Monza last year, shouldn't he, for example, like that should have been his race, but he messed the beginning up. Um, but yeah, Stroll's a good shot. Uh, I'd love to see Kimi do something where he has a better car again, just to, I remember him winning Austin in 2018, just how, sorry, 2019. And just how much fun that was and how kind of mental everyone went for Kimi winning. Um, and it's a shame. It's great having him on the grid, but having him in a car where he could fight with some people at the front would be fun. You were right with 18 first, by the way, mate. I know it's been a, was bit a blur the last few years. I yeah. mean, it happened before the <laughs> pandemic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's yeah. all I remember. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, wow. it's before the pandemic. It was the last time we went to Monaco as well. That's what's so exciting about this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Was it, that race hasn't happened for two years now. So, yeah. Um, and- Medis, you're back in the paddock. 
Yes, I'm finally going to a race. All right, mate, um, no need to rub that in. So I'm not, this is another event I'm not going to, not because I've got physio appointment, but just because <laughs> Lawrence, Lawrence Edmondson from ESPN is going for us, which is encouraging because it means hopefully down the road I can get to a race. But Meadows, you you clearly are buzzing. I, yeah. Like, the moment it got confirmed, everyone who was going was like, I can't wait. And uh, I'm very jealous of all of you. Yeah, just, just to let uh, listeners know just how tricky it can be. So yeah, one was obviously you have to get sign off. And for most outlets, there's only space allowed for one uh, representative where they used to be more in the past because of restrictions and numbers in the media center but then we had all of these forms to fill out that would allow us to travel through france to get to monaco that to avoid the seven day sort of quarantine that was mandatory for people from the uk then it was there's a curfew to abide by then we needed to do testing at a certain time that wasn't going to match up and basically in the best case scenario but the worst case scenario i had i was flying tomorrow tuesday um and landing uh and having to isolate for a week so basically no point in going so then that improved and i was going to end up having to self-isolate for all of wednesday while waiting for a, a covid test result to come back um just because of their rules on self-isolation and once you arrive uh, and now finally it's got to the point where i can actually fly to this race with all these pieces of paper but mm-hmm. actually go uh abide by the french curfew that we have to do so it's seven o'clock i think uh first day and then nine o'clock after that and then um can just go to the track as normal on wednesday morning get tested and crack on but yeah we've got some paddock access for the first time as well like proper paddock access so for the guys and girls that have been to the first few races there's been like a little mixed zone that they can go into to have meetings and the old interview but um it's very restricted whereas now apart from one hour after qualifying in the race where it's going to be really busy with people coming back uh, we're allowed to freely go into the paddock uh, and meet people if we need to and chat and uh, do one-on-one interviews from a distance and things like that so it's going to be it's going to be cool to at least see what that's like again. Uh, I'm sure it's not going to be perfect, but yeah, it's, it's kind of, it feels like going to a race to do the job semi-properly again, whereas all the other races last year were kind of, it, you were like enduring all the restrictions just to be there. Um, so yeah, it's nice that it's eased slightly and I might even get to see Mr. Barreto in the flesh <laughs> on the Hopefully. ground. I'm talking like we didn't see each other all in the pub on Friday night, but um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but in a paddock, if it's not in a paddock, it doesn't count, right? Yeah, exactly. The so I've not seen you guys for like a year and a half, like, yeah, over a year. I mean, who are you again? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just honoured I'm on the podcast with you two proper <laughs> F1 journalists that keep going to events. I've got to get there first for it to count, but uh, yeah, yeah really, really looking forward to it. So I'm looking forward to seeing how cool some stuff will be there, like any of the events they do, um, but also on track the new uh that mclaren livery that got launched can't wait to see that like oh, i saw it in the flesh at, in that event last week and it looked great but that was on the show car and it was in a darkly lit uh big hangar area at their old old headquarters in woking actually which is very cool uh so yeah to see it on track is gonna be awesome i love it i don't know about you guys but i absolutely love it it still looked cool even in the setting that we saw it that is on a show car and stuff i thought i really liked the neon fluorescent orange obviously because I thought that really popped and it's been so long um, since we've had something like this. Red Bull used to do it a couple of times to, to tie in with a movie. <clears throat> I mean, when they did the Superman tie-in, which was cool and DC dressed up as Superman, uh, which is brilliant. But they, I just, I just don't think teams do it enough these days. So I'm hoping that this kind of sets a trend. Um, obviously you have to come to an arrangement with your sponsors and probably get a bit more money out of your sponsors as well, if that's what you're going to be doing. But I, it would be great if we could do more of this going forward, because look at the buzz that it created uh, yesterday. Yeah, NASCAR is very good for it, isn't it? If you think, look at the way different drivers will have different sponsors and some of them are historic callbacks to you know 
previous times that that number car ran with this livery or whatever and this sponsorship and stuff like that um i absolutely love it i think it's i mean you know not to like mclaren's uh livery previously well their current one is okay but i think we've got used to it being i remember when they changed to like the papaya orange it was like oh that's cool but it's kind of I feel like the novelty of it's worn off a bit but that is such an iconic kind of livery from motorsport that it just looks great and i think it hopefully will produce enough buzz that other teams want to do it the thing i the thing i always regretted about like liveries was do you remember when red bull released that camo um hey, yeah, for 2015 testing. like the zebra style uh, and I, and that alone got so much coverage and obviously it was you know they were like oh it's a cool testing livery but it was also to make it harder for photographers to take pictures at high speed of their car but i hoped that the buzz it had created would prompt them to want to do it for a race but they haven't wanted to do that so and have kind of taken that step you know full credit to zach brown and, and co for doing that um but yeah and i always talk i, I use nascar as an example because i know i i talk metas and lawrence edmondson's death about the nfl and nba when they do you know throwback jerseys or color rush jerseys or whatever but you know it gets people talking about it which is great um and everybody wants that merch now you know the the golf <laughs> the golf mclaren merch so for mclaren there's, it's a win-win um yeah so i think well, it's great before we started this pod, like you were saying how cool, well, we were all saying really how cool the hoodie uh, yes. looks, like the style yeah. of it looks. Um, I think it's the kind of thing that a lot of people are going to want to wear. Well, because it doesn't look like a billboard, does it? A lot of the team kit you can get, it's got too many sponsors on, or it's like this, you know, this sponsor is huge, but that kind of just looks like a cool, you know, it just looks like a cool piece of, of kit that you might want to want to want to wear. So yeah, big fan. I think that that is going to like absolutely fly off the shelves if they, if they sell it. And then McLaren will be like, Maybe this becomes a thing we do at Monaco. I think they've sold it. That's sold out already. I think I saw a reply to them on the hoodie. I think on their post on Instagram, someone said hoodies are sold out already. Um, yeah, the the like response to it was awesome. I, I had people DMing me just being like, this looks so cool, who, who aren't really F1 fans. but I don't even know how it ended up on their like, feed, but they just thought it looked awesome. Um, yeah, and I tried to get, like, Zach wasn't as kind of up for it as I thought he would be, but the drivers were. Uh, going for something like the NASCAR throwback weekend and doing the full thing where you have every car on the grid in, in retro livery, which um, some other people then in response to that said, yeah, wouldn't that be great to do at Monaco where you've got the history as well mm-hmm. and, and eyes on it, but the race itself isn't always a classic. So why not do it there? Um, and I think it would work really, really well. So I, I think everyone can learn something there. Like we've got 23 races now and mm. you've got to, uh, you've, you've got to mix it up. And like you said, you had friends who aren't F1 fans and it broke through their feed. Yeah. which is huge like and if from i know this is turning into a marketing pod now <laughs> but like that's a big thing for any sport isn't it and the way i first got really into like following the nba a bit more closely was genuinely because i like i was in, into lebron james i don't follow it as closely as Meadows, but i would always message Meadows, be like this kit i've seen is amazing and that'd be it i'd be like this kit looks great this kit is amazing and it, it gets you in because everybody likes a good kit whatever the sport is um yeah i've so, got yeah. miami uh, miami heat t-shirt that's um dwayne wade just because it was like Miami Vice style and I just thought it looked really cool. And, and a mate from uni sent me it being like, this is so sick. And we're like, yeah, we're going to buy one. And then it doubled in price when it hit customs, which is great. Because um, <laughs> you don't know it? as well either. It, like when you buy it, you don't realize that's what the charge is going to be. So you think you've got a decent deal and then it arrives and it's like, oh, that was way too much. But yeah, all, all because it looked cool. I'm not a Heat fan. I'm a Warriors fan who have just secured their spot in the, uh, the playing tournament this week. Nate, just for you, you're talking about LeBron James. <laughs> They're playing the Lakers. Nice. Um, go Steph on, Curry go got the uh, the scoring record for the season. So cool. The, well, the highest average. So I hope yeah. that one team scores more hoops than the other, <laughs> the other team. 
and uh, then they can they, they can have a last dance together. Welcome uh, to the Pad yeah. Hoop, a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah, that'll be next week. We'll, we'll talk exclusively about hoops. I'm going to be in a bit of trouble then, I think. <laughs> well, yeah, because clearly you're dealing with an expert in me as well, Laz. Like, if you can't, if you can't tell. Uh, uh, actually, we do have the need for you next week, Nate, as expert, because uh, we're going to be between two of the greatest motorsport events yes, that's like, true. on the calendar with after Monaco and before the Indy 500. And I believe you've been to the Indy 500. So yeah, rumor has it that I went a few years ago. I kept a low profile about it. I didn't say much about it to people. I didn't talk about it incessantly for the next year. Uh, But yeah, I did go and I'm always willing to talk about it. But I'm excited for you, Meadows, because as Mm. far as I'm aware, you're going. I'm hopefully going. I'm still waiting on final confirmation that I will be allowed to go into the country to report on it. Everything else is organized and sorted. Uh, Which will finally be the Triple Crown for you, right? It will be, yeah. From the journalistic point of view, it's a bit less arduous than the real Triple Crown. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I did did Le Mans when Hulkenberg won it. Yep. Uh, And I've done, yeah, a bunch of Monaco's. So uh, it would finally tick that. I've done Indy qualifying week a lot, but never the race. So even even once, one and done with all of them. That's the way to way to go, mate. Like first first time winner. Um, yeah. <laughs> Didn't need to do it again. Completed yeah. it, mate. But the uh, yeah, whether I get to go or not, then we'll we'll lean on your expertise next week, as well as look forward to a very exciting sixty second review from Monaco. Oh God, yeah. Well, that that is gonna. I'm gonna have to really like flex my my creativity with that one. I think if there's no overtaking, but um, no, it should be still. Should I've still got every faith in you, Nate. Yeah. Well, hopefully, if we can get some more feedback from Chad. <laughs> that would be excellent. And then we'll go from there because I want to know how Chad found it. Chad, yeah, Chad. Sorry, Formula Chad. Yeah. Well, we've got a plethora of ways, of course, to oh, get in touch with us. <laughs> what a word to use at the end of the pod. Have you been waiting to use that all, all pod? Kind of, yeah. Did I you say plethora? To... I've always said plethora. plethora. Oh, well, yeah. I would say. Yeah, I, I think I'd go with plethora as well. Wow. Oh, wow. Well, I, prefer, I prefer to say plethora because it sounds grand. It sounds better. Fair. So yeah, I'm going to go with I'm going to go <laughs> with that. With it. Yeah, a plethora. Plethora of uh, ways to get in touch with us, of course. Yes, sorry, I didn't mean to ruin your <laughs> your outro. Please, please you beautifully set up, and now we've just completely derailed. Yeah, but it's fine <laughs> by mocking you about a way you said a word, a very a very smart word. Yeah, uh, it's just because I bought a theosaurus recently. <laughs> 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 or like Jerry and friends, I got the the P for in the encyclopedias. <laughs> yeah, so all you know is P words. <laughs> Right, I'll wrap this up, chaps. Thanks very much for your time. Appreciate it, as always. We didn't have so many um, appearances from Monty in this podcast, which was disappointing. Monty, of course, is Chris Medlin's dog. Uh, Monty is fast asleep next to me right now, but what Monty does really want to know, I can tell through his closed eyes, is what the plethora of ways are (laughs) to get in touch with us that you were going to do. I was going to come back to that. Um, Can we just point out the fact that Monty has only been able to hear Medlin talking for the last half hour and he's fast asleep? (laughs) (laughs) So I think that says a lot. says everything you need to know about only being able to hear one of us through this conversation. (laughs) Touche. Oh, Sorry, Medlin. That was harsh. If he was, if he was sat here, he'd be asleep as well. Just to clarify. No, he wouldn't. He'd be loving the fact that you were entertaining him, mate. That's true. Monty's a cool dog. Everyone. He's got. He's got an Instagram, which I, we we can plug another time. I know Medlin. is like, no, we're not plugging that now. <laughs> we're plugging our channels. Um, and yeah. our channels, mate. That's a good segue. Sorry, our yeah. Ch- <laughs> I'm gonna mute myself. 
You can follow us on social media at The Paddock on Twitter and on Facebook. You can also follow us individually on our individual Twitter handles and Instagram handles. Please hit the subscribe button on wherever you listen to your podcast and we'll do this again sometime. Thanks very much for listening. Bye. 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 Network.